You could call this movie "This Lady Does Not Have Everything She Needs." <laughs> Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region; no guarantee is implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. Let me go, you son of a bitch! Now, that's no way to speak about me, mother. Bless her greedy soul. Hello, everybody! What's up? Hello, everybody. This is is a different Recotopia episode today. I can't wait to get into it, but uh, Recotopia episode 36... The big recommend today is Leprechaun 3, but really, really, there's another three that we're big recommending today, and it's Marlowe 3, the mm. album coming out, I believe, October 28th, if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, and uh, that is the real big recommend. We're going to be talking to the people, the wonderful people behind Marlowe 3, Lorange and Solemn Brigham. Uh, for most of this episode. And then we're going to get into Leprechaun 3. That's right. Mm. What an episode. What, what, what I can't wait to get into this. Uh, uh, hello, everybody out there in the chat. I'm glad that you're coming in to join us today. This should be a lively one. So uh, let's get into it, guys. Laurent, Solemn, glad you could, could be here today. Uh, yeah. Can't wait to get into talking about this album. Uh, that you guys have done i've listened through it about three or four times uh i think it's better than your first two uh actually um and this past life song both jeremy and i have heard it gone through it about i don't know he's probably listened to it more than i have but <laughs> i've listened to it quite a, a a lot so tell us uh the, about the collaborative process how you guys got into all this and now wow, how you at a three a third album at this point Hey, yo, yo, it's your man, Silent Brigham. Um, <laughs> <laughs> me and Lorenz, uh making music for a long time. Where I'm from, music is just kind of a, a thing that you do. Um, when I went to school, it's just something I carried with me. And eventually, some of my music got to Larange, And uh, he reached out to me. And we linked up, man, in, in this wild-ass place, this wild trap house where he was living at the time. And um, at first, it was kind of rocky. You know, we ain't really hit it off. But he did tell me, you know, he was the first person to tell me I could do this for a living, you know, and I had something different. Made me believe in myself. And uh, he threw me on a project that he was working on. And he told me about this dream that he had. And uh, later on, we was able to make it come to fruition. I, first of all, I love that you guys just number them and don't come up with fancy titles for the albums because it feels, the, the music really does feel like a progression. Like you two are uh, evolving together. Um, and I agree with Chris. This is my favorite. I loved your first two albums, but this one, it just feels like there's so much depth here. When you write, I'm a songwriter, a bad one. You're not going to hear my music, but I'm very curious about your collaborative process, uh, and whether there's a, a set way or whether you guys kind of go back and forth on like solemn, do you bring some kind of lyrics and then Laurence, you find some you put some music to it or do you go in reverse or does it just kind of depend on the song yeah every song is different i mean um 
there could be a time where I give him some lyrics, but for the most part, um, you know, I'll be inspired by whatever he's creating. And, um, you know, I'll come up with something from there. He'll hear it and we critique it from there. If we're in the studio together, I mean, anything's possible. You know, he could just be making a loop at the time, you know, and I could be freestyling in the background and he's getting inspired that switching the beat up. Um, if we're distanced, then it's usually him sending me something, me sending it back. We listening to it and uh, going from there. Awesome. And normally it builds on top of itself, you know, and so uh, the kind of like process that I've always had is, you know, you you structure something as a skeleton, you know, and then you keep adding to that over and over, you know, and then by the end of it, you're taking things away, you're polishing it up. But it's already been through the process of, uh, of you know, getting polished and getting ready to be uh, an actual song by the time, you know, it's time to actually be like looking at releasing it. Are you, know, you guys are, are you guys live close? Um, how, like, how often are you able to be in the studio together to write? Um, does does distance keep you guys remote too often, or it's closer now than it was when I was in Seattle? It was it was tough, <laughs> you know. We had to fly had to fly them out and everything. But I'm in Asheville, North Carolina now. I'm back in North Carolina where I belong, and, and uh, he's in Wilmington where we uh, where I'm from. And so we're yeah, about... he in the mountains. I'm by the coast. We both but in the great sea. It's drivable now, you know. I, I got to see him more for when we were making these songs than in the previous ones, which was, you know, nice. Mostly awesome. we just like smoke and make beats, and he just freestyles, and then we play Tekken, and then we, you know, play, <laughs> and then we do it some more, and then by the end of it, like, you know, we just have some like not really songs. We just kind of have some good energy. It's a real collaborative process because a lot of times I think to myself, man, I don't know what the hell inspire him to come up with that shit. I don't know where that came from, but <laughs> now it's my turn and I got to throw some shit on it. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I, I have a feeling, LaRange, you have like um, this incredible collection of old radio uh, plays uh, just on your computer somewhere with all these different like dialogue things <laughs> that keep coming up. I always keep thinking, Oh, it must be some old movie that you've, you probably do it with movies too. You never do it with movies. Mm -hmm. It's always radio plays. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I'm always like trying to guess if that's an actor I know <laughs> or anything. And it could be, it I guess be. it could it be. Because a lot of the, a lot of the old radio stuff was serialized from TV and from movies. And so, uh, you know, when I say I've never taken it from a movie, what I mean is I've never taken it from a movie, but that doesn't mean that mm. it didn't maybe appear in a movie. Like, right, right. Old entertainment was pretty, was pretty all over the place in terms of like, uh, they might have a TV show and then they'll just put the audio from that TV show on a vinyl and be like, yeah, you know, it plays like, and so I, I love these. They're, they're actually not on my computer. They're all on vinyl around here. And so, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I just have a gigantic collection of like oddities and weird radio stuff that I, I always really like. Um, and so, yeah, no, if I find one that I've never seen before, I just, I scoop it up. So. That's awesome. Where do you, <laughs> a, you just yeah, go troll in record good. stores for that kind of stuff? Yeah, no, normally they have like a category that's called like miscellaneous or like, you know, uh, or maybe oddities or, or radio or comedy or kids or stuff. You know, and so uh, and so, yeah, I normally go to those those um, sections. It's funny. Record stores are really only fall into two categories of, of the, that section. It's people that uh, price those based off of how many people want them 
which is like the ones I like because that means they're all like a dollar, two dollars, whatever. And then there are those that price them based off of their rarity, which is like <laughs> you'll go into these things and they'll be like 40 bucks a piece. And I'm like, come oh. on. Nobody but me is buying these. Like, what? <laughs> Why on earth would you do this? Like, I can't. Do they even... have to be a certain year old, like, to, to like avoid copyright issues and no, stuff. You know, is it I, all? I don't, I don't really worry about that with those as nearly as much because um, they don't they don't print you know weird stuff like that on vinyl anymore. You know, mm. and so and they kind of stopped doing it in the 80s. You'll see some from in the 80s. You'll see like Escape to Witch Mountain, I think, is an example where I might just be like blown on my spot a little bit. But I, I, I distinctly remember <laughs> using that one at one point and being like, this is a little strange that this is on vinyl in the first place. But mm -hmm. interesting. But you, yeah. you manipulate a lot of the audio. Yeah. Um, not just the dialogue, but some of the music. Like some, sometimes it feels to me like there's radio play organ music, like that yeah. you have manipulated forward or backward or stretched. Um, how often? I mean, do you do that on every song for the most part? Take some piece yeah. of audio and then reinterpret yeah, it. I mean, that's that's my whole job. You know, is is like is is being able to take. Um, I mean, uh, largely, even my job as a whole, and in, including songwriting and working with producer or working with uh, uh, artists, rappers, vocalists, is taking something that already exists and reinterpreting it, thinking of it in in terms of its possibilities, and in terms of um, I like to try to really emphasize the create part of the word creativity, where you are never stuck in what something already is, you know. And so, and in, in sampling and taking records and modifying those is a great um, exercise for that because you can, if you start thinking in terms of what something already is, you're going to make really bad music or you're just going to basically just be taking people's music, which I'm not a fan of. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. um, yeah, it's core to creativity is to imagine something in a way that it isn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, there seems to be kind of, uh, kind of a theme in the lyrics, maybe that I picked up in the like the three or four listens uh, on this. Could you talk about is there is there a theme to this album, uh, or is it or are all the songs kind of like I don't know, just they're their own thing? Um, you know, behind the excitement that we try to put in front, yeah, there is a, a underlying sense of um, you know getting what you deserve. Uh, becoming whole again. Um, a lot of the lines I take from my life and I take from LaRange's life. And, um, you know, we've been through a lot of dark places individually and together. So a lot of what you hear is that story. A lot of what you hear is how I feel um, and my view in the world. And me also speaking for LaRange, uh, me trying to be his vocal piece and us together. Uh, but in your face, what you're going to hear if you know you've never heard of Marlo, if you just say hearing a, a one of our ads or something like that, you're gonna be excited. And you're gonna hear some music that pops. Underneath that, if you start listening, yeah, you know, I hope you can get um, a piece of it that you can take and it can be meaningful to you. But I definitely uh, put our lives into these raps. I was just gonna say the the song "Past Life" seems to have lyrics about you know people who are are represent themselves one way but aren't doing the uh aren't aren't really uh living the life that they they claim that they are and uh 
things of that nature. Uh, so there's talking about uh, hands up and then hands out. So there's like a lot of people who are uh, who are asking for things they don't deserve. Maybe I don't know. There's something kind of like that, kind of a that, or just correct me if I'm wrong. Well, really, in the past life, I was um, speaking about I guess a specific duality of living in hip hop and living in the streets. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people transition from you know not having a normal nine to five, so to speak, into music. You know, it's like a common thing. Or a lot of people, for a lot of people, music is just like a dream, you know, like some Disneyland thing. As soon as I make it, I'll pop off. And mm -hmm. I can say living in both sides, it was a, my attempt at trying to give my perspective, some of the things that I've noticed and some of the things that I've been through, uh, going throughout the game. But let everybody know that it ain't sweet, you know, but it is, it is very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to ask about past life specifically, so I'm glad that you brought that up, Chris. Uh, when you say, imagine all the numbers, if we hit the same crowd, who are you talking to? Are you talking to yourself, your past self, or are you talking to, actually just answer, I won't speculate. Who are you talking to there? Yeah, so I'm talking to myself and I'm talking to anybody that might decide to set foot in the rap game. If, you hear, uh -huh. if you're hearing this, I'm talking to you. And also there's a conversation going on between me and myself trying to decide you know, how I want to finish the rest of my life. You know, do I want to live it in the past or uh, do I want to move forward with this new venture? You know, mm. it's me going back and forth and also talking to you. If you decide to jump into the game, you know, you could decide for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You guys have a tour coming up, right? Um, you're going over overseas to Europe. A lot of UK dates. I guess you're going to hang out with James Acaster again. Um, <laughs> but uh, talk to us about that tour. Um, are you excited for any specific cities um i'm curious if you guys are going to have any dates in the u.s at some point so that you know we get a chance to see you guys perform but obviously europe must love you oh yeah i'm yeah. hyped for all the cities i'm hyped for all the cities in the uk in the place that we haven't been to um you know a lot of the news comes fast so i can't say exactly the which places we're going to that we've been before but i know a lot of people have been reaching out to me uh, and noticed that i'm coming back to their city and so I'm really hyped to go back there and, you know, show them what else we got, you know, showing what else Marlo can do. I'm, I'm you know what I mean? Those countries we haven't, you know, like w one thing about touring that I've always really enjoyed is going to these places where English isn't the first language, where most people, you know, most people in Europe kind of speak it because it's the business language over there. But going to places, you know, and that's something that I have really enjoyed in the past by myself. And that's something I'm really enjoying sharing with Solemn just because, it's not something that, you know, it's it's not the most complicated thing, but it's not something everybody experiences to, like, be in a place where people don't speak your language. It's it's like, you know, it's, it's a nice, it's an interesting feeling that not everyone experiences. You feel like, I mean, I imagine if you feel like those crowds are connecting to the music as much or more and the flow oh. as they are the lyrics, right? Oh, man, I, I, yeah. I, I'll, feel, I'll feel this real quick because some of them I haven't, <laughs> Solomon and I haven't played in a country where they don't speak English primarily. We mostly only played in the UK last time. Oh, but okay. I will tell you from my experience, those people know the lyrics. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't, I don't really know how. And like, sometimes that can be a little bit of a problem because uh, they don't always speak the language. Mm. And so, and so like, I don't know. I've, I've heard, I've heard stories about like, you know, people singing along with, you know, the N word or something like that, um, where they, you know, they don't know what they're doing, you know, where it'll be like in Russia where like the language is so divorced from, you know, the culture 
that you know but please anyway, don't go to like, russia but in a much more but yeah we're not we're going to poland but <clears> on a, yeah. in a much uh uh in a much lighter context it's it's really fun to see people that don't speak english fanatically following those things that's something i'm really looking forward to to experience with myself also, people that don't speak English love to rap at your face. Man, I'm finna get rapped at. <laughs> I'm finna get rapped at him. I mean, for me, um, for me, I know that they're getting something that I never expected because a lot of my lyrics, a lot of stuff we talk about, we're coming at it from our, our perspective as Americans living in the South. You know, a lot of it is very specific. And um, to me, I know that maybe they're pulling something different. Like, in past life, for example, when I say, even though you made it with your quips, you better have a clip, you know, I don't know if they're directly going to know that I'm talking about gun violence here, you know? Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. right. Because it's, it's not as big in other places, but I definitely, it makes me appreciate it on a whole nother level because they're getting something that I, I never even considered out of it. And maybe some of that is relevant to them in their lives, you know? So awesome. connected. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a... I don't know how much I can talk about other uh, things on this album, but there is one that I, I wanted fine. to uh, wanted to talk about um, a couple of things. First off, you collaborated with several other people on this uh, as well. There's several other rappers that you that you uh, collaborated with, and is there a point where so? I imagine the dynamic between you two is, is, has gotten to a, a comfortable point. Maybe, I don't know. That's probably the stupid way to say it, but yeah, it, what happens here. when you bring other people in? Oh, I mean, yeah. When it comes to me and LaRange, man. Yeah. The time that we spent, we argue, we go back and forth. I'm not afraid of him and he ain't afraid of me. <laughs> he'll say whatever, nice. you know, and I'll say whatever. <laughs> and that allows us to be completely creative when it comes to bringing somebody else in the mix, because, you know, he does what he does and I do what I do. When we're finished with what we've created, there's rarely times where we need something extra. There's rarely times where we're like, hey, you know who would be hot on this? But if there is ever a time where he's inspired or I'm inspired to think of a voice or an artist or, you know, a certain cadence that somebody might capture for a song or a feature, then that's when that'll come into play, you know? And at mm -hmm. that point, um, I think we, we pretty much do a job of letting the artists be themselves with us you know, yeah. I think that does a good job of showing what Marlo does differently and how it works together, you know, with other stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there's one on here that's, uh, uh, I know it's, it's only a minute and something long or whatever, but the uh, Eddie Appetite's bulletproof steering wheel is going to probably get a lot of people uh, who listen to this album. That's going to be one of the more memorable tracks on this because it's uh it's basically like it's it's kind of like a stand-up track in the middle of the rap album <laughs> and like i sat there and listened to this a bunch just because there's the the requests that this phantom person has asked for their honda accord is uh uh you know it's it gets increasingly more outrageous as it but you have this guy who's at the shop who's just kind of very calmly saying you know like i don't know i've ever heard of this or no whatever but if you could call me back that would be great you know uh where was the idea behind that i'm gonna tell you like this that could not have been made had me and larange not been together at the time like mm -hmm. because Ed, the original Eddie Appetite from the first Marlo, that was all pretty much a freestyle off the top. I think we had finished recording the album and um, 
we were trying to get some bits for the end and L was like, yo, he played this beat and was like, yo, yeah, just do whatever, throw that on. And I said something, I said something about like the Gators, you know, and stuff. he was like, yeah, yeah, go with that. Keep going, keep going. And you know, we went from there. And uh, when we came back to do it again, it, it was it's just that same energy. Uh, we wanted to bring Eddie Appetite back because he had been in all the other albums. But man, mm -hmm. I, I got to give it, basically I got to give it all to L, you know, the inspiration came from, from him. Have, have we not, been together having fun that would have never got made that way mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, yeah i love that i love eddie appetite no nobody else i'm glad you like eddie appetite nobody likes eddie appetite <laughs> <laughs> what what do you I mean like nobody eddie likes <laughs> what's that <laughs> what do you mean nobody likes me People i have never like heard i've never heard i mean i i think i may have heard one person in my life ever tell me they like eddie appetite and then every time we do an album we're like are we doing this again? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're gonna like, they're gonna like him now. I have a feeling because this is this is a unique track for sure. I worked All hard right. on this track. I I put in a lot of legwork on the production on this track. So hopefully, they I do. even. I even love the like you know we're calling for the and it's got that it's like it's you know it's it's censored out the name or whatever and it's like the eh, 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 you know whatever um, yeah but uh, man there are yeah there are a lot of great tracks on there the Godfist track is great there's uh God there's so many on here that I I've listened to like a hundred million times uh, already listened to the album four times but I've listened to those songs like several million times so um, but uh, yeah. Jeremy, you got any anything? I else? do. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about movies for a second. Not the big recommend, but what are some? I know Larange. Last time you were on the show, which was a different show, and it was years ago. But we we talked entirely too long uh, about a Christmas movie that you love, um, <clears throat> uh, Jingle All the Way. But uh, what are some of your favorite movies in general? What are some movies you've seen or TV shows you've seen recently that? Uh, you are really digging uh well my favorite movies of all time my my favorite movie is uh uh being john malkovich that's my favorite movie mm. yeah it's a good one good choice um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that movie i also you know there's there's a lot of like i i like a lot of kind of nostalgia and stuff that kind of references nostalgia and all that you know but um but in terms of tv you know you know i i, I have been really absorbed in the underrated genre of low stakes uh, pseudo competition semi-educational television shows <laughs> 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 like... well okay all right so uh, so aside from the competition you know i i I had my I had my whole perspective on everything changed when when somebody told me about um, uh, about Pawn Stars. So the oh. show, mm. so the show Pawn Stars is a show I've I've watched. I'm not loyal. I don't love it. It's not top five all time, but I've seen it and I really enjoyed it. But somebody <laughs> broke my brain. Somebody broke my brain because because I don't know if you've ever seen the show, but they have like little. It's like a trivia show. You know, yeah. it's like people. I think I've seen some hate on it because, like, it, you know, it's kind of campy and 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 it's not history, but it, you know, it's trivia, right? Trivia is more fun than history, mm. and so, <laughs> uh, and so, but it broke my brain because they have these little skits in between the little pond things where it'll be like, like who drank all the creamer, and then it'll be like, <laughs> guy, like just holding the creamer, right? And then he's like, whoops, and then they move on. 
And I had somebody, and I love those skits. I love them, right? And somebody told me the other, somebody told me a while ago that they were like, yeah, but you know that's fake, right? And I'm like, what does that mean? And they're like, <laughs> they're like it's not real. And I'm like, what do you, what do you think Seinfeld was real? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he's like, <laughs> and he said, and he said, and he goes, no, but they're, it's supposed to be reality TV. And my brain just broke in half because mm -hmm. the whole reason I love this show was because I was like, what a unique opportunity to really display some like B theater, like campy skit skits. Like I thought the whole premise was that they were just like, doing like borderline improvising like stupid do people like the concept of that show is that it's a fly in the wall of a pawn shop right oh my god the fact <laughs> that that's good that broke my brain that i was yeah. like this is so much better as like a campy b movie than <laughs> as, as, as reality television it's so good anyway <laughs> i should not there that was not in, in planned or intentional, but that is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. No, that's mm. good. That's uh, I used to watch me some Pawn Stars all the time. Um, <laughs> what not? about you, Solon? What, what kind of what's your favorite movies or shows? Um, I mean, I'm gonna say this all time. If you've ever heard of "Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood," yep. I know a lot of people, man, you know, laugh at that movie. It's just a spoof or whatever. But really, a lot of the things that they touch on, a lot of the things that they joke about, they do it for a reason. And that shit was my life. And it is <laughs> hilarious to see it, you know. And I'm with my family and with my homies. You know, we joke about it. There's one-offs from that movie. I like a lot of things like that. Um, I guess I do. I like a lot of uh, satires, uh, you know, any kind of like... Uh, uh, socially relevant comedy, you know, I like mm -hmm. that. Recently, um, I will say I was blown away from uh, anything and everywhere all at once at yes. one time yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That movie, that movie was actually very impressive. Um, because you know we've all had our take on the whole multiverse thing, but to actually see it did out. I mean, you know, you've heard that movie made me laugh, it made me cry, it made me call my mama. That movie <laughs> made me do all of that. Stuff. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I want a series right now that I can get into. You know, mostly, mostly I'll be making music and thinking about music and thinking about raps. Um, if I sit down with a good show, it's like something that it's, it's something nice and quick. I watch a lot. Of, I watch American Dad from time to time. You know, <laughs> yep, yep. completely silly, silly that you don't have to invest a lot of time in. You know what? Mm -hmm. He and I are basically saying the same thing right here, which is I think that, I think he nailed it because like when I watch TV, my wife watches these like real heavy good shows. You know, and I and she watches them without me, and I'll just kind of come in and out. Where she'll be watching, you know, House of Dragons, or mm. you know, um, these like long form, very deep, you know, kind of shows that I know are good and I know are better than what I watch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but like, I don't have room in my brain for emotionally investing myself in TV, or nor do I have time. Like, if I, that's why I am almost kind of preferring movies, is because I can enter and exit without you know keeping this up here all the time you know mm -hmm. and so when i'm like looking to emotionally invest myself in something it's it's in my own thing which is kind of a little a weird little byproduct of like being professionally creative i think <clears throat> yeah i mean I, i'm very similar like i i watch either like tv's on in my office constantly part of that's because i have tinnitus and it helps 
fight that ringing in my ears but i either have like the martian a movie i've seen 50 times or yeah. uh, some kind of marathon of friends or seinfeld that i can look at laugh at a joke and go back to whatever i'm doing on the computer because i don't want to invest my entire headspace for an hour into like mm -hmm. a house of the dragons at least not during the day maybe at night when you i'm working out <clears throat> that's yeah. exactly when i'm working i always have a show on in the background that's why these like pawn stars or you know storage wars or these things that are just super low stakes but like the martian yeah, is that cool. matt damon flick right yeah martian yeah good yeah mess with that sci-fi i'm sci-fi heavy too yeah See? leprechaun yeah. all that stuff yeah. that's my comfort movie man <laughs> i love that thing <laughs> um well that's a good segue probably I into agree. the big recommend for this episode which is leprechaun 3. i'm fine i'm fine it's just that you're so big it's so huge it's a good rule but this is bigger than rules it's bigger on the inside is it i noticed i am excited to talk about this but Salem, this is your movie that you that you recommended to all of us i want to hear you talk Listen. about this movie and what what got you into this what made you pitch this movie ladies and gents if you didn't enjoy watching leprechaun 3 i hope you still enjoyed the ride at least now <laughs> this movie was big for me not just because of my childhood but because as i said before i love spoof movies and who the hell would think of making a magical leprechaun murderer now <laughs> this is the third one it's big stakes just like that marlo 3 it's big stakes they took it to las vegas and um i think this was the first joint i don't know if this joint went to um i don't know if it went straight to vhs because that's what they had back then it but did. they had to make a lot of cheese off this movie now i saw this shit when i was six years old oh my god <laughs> yeah now i want y'all to think six years old now quick flash to all the gore that you see quick flash to all the blood and, and all the blowing up and all the fingers getting ripped off and eyes getting gouged out quick shot to that and, and think about a six-year-old i'm i'm thinking about the six-year-old six-year-old me would have been running out of the door for sure um uh are you what about you were you just sort of staring at it and watching it i watched the whole thing because you can't you can't not watch it i mean it's got a lot of lights and stuff this is magical leprechaun <laughs> it moves fast it goes from here to there so it's got mm -hmm. a lot for a kid and yeah i watched the whole thing man i was traumatized for quite a long <laughs> right, okay okay I, I was wondering, I was wondering about your soul there. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think this is, I, this was before six years old. You definitely didn't know stuff wasn't real on screen, you know, like right. I'd seen some, I'd seen somebody bite somebody's ear, uh, like this. I would have been, I would have just, uh, I would have been, I would have been out the door. Yeah, that was wild. And now, this, you know, him being violent and ripping people's stuff off, that was wild. I was like, man, he couldn't do that to me because he's too tiny. But what got <laughs> me, what got me was he is magical. Mm -hmm. He can poof. Yeah. He just made fire appear. And I was thinking to myself, if he if he comes at me, I cannot fight that. He'll be <laughs> happening and then he'll be on your front door. He'll be on your chest, you know. And then I started thinking, man, he probably got some superhuman strength, you know. Who knows what this dude could do? If you watch the movies, they switch up his powers every single time. Yeah, I mean, just, just on that note, real quick, that's a good segue into uh, my observation that uh, Leprechaun can create life mm. uh, from TVs and mm -hmm. uh, yes. prostitutes. 
I don't know. I don't know how this format normally goes. Whether we normally just jump into two thirds of the way of the movie, but Dude. that scene, I'm so confused by. It was totally mm-hmm. unnecessary. Why did yeah. he? Why did he create a prostitute and then like he was like kind of like like having sex with that dude with his like as an avatar? Yeah, like he created a prostitute, like a real human prostitute person <laughs> that came out of a TV, like the ring. Uh-huh. And then, and then at a certain point, he like starts making a commercial for himself, like on the TV, and like, <laughs> and like, and in in that moment, I I know it's important to remember that this movie is about watching a movie, right? This movie mm. is not about the world of this movie; it's about mm. the experience of watching that movie. But in my, I know, I know this is too much, but I'm sitting there going like, so Duke can create life. He is clearly like sexually curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he, uh, um, he is like absurdly bad at using his powers. If, mm. if this, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's like that's probably the weirdest part. Is like, I mean, Duke could just be like, it reminds me of you remember in X Men Apocalypse where the very first scene he like turns people to sand, yes, and then like the rest of the movie he's like shooting beams and stuff. Where I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> why don't you just use the sand thing? Like, nah, nah, you 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 right because see, I thought that too. I was like, yo, why why can't you just make fire happen all the time? You know, poof poof your gold right to you. They explain mm-hmm. it, and the further he is away from the goal in this movie. The further he is away from the goal, the less power he has. Okay, well mm-hmm. then let me let me throw this out here because this entire movie took place in like a half a square block. Yes. Right? <laughs> and, so, and so at this point, when he's creating life in a hotel room, he is as far away from his goal as he could possibly be within the confines of this movie. And so Man, maybe the hotel room is next to a window. From like while his shit is in a safe. You know, uh, in there. I mean, like, I, I, I mean, if that's him nerfed, if if he's nerfed because he's not gonna have a gold <laughs> in the hotel room, creating prostitutes, then I mean, I, I think he could turn people into sand. That's all I'm saying. I, I tell you, the the punchline of this entire scene to me is that once it once this prostitute turns into a robot, why they decide that. Th- that the robot still has boobs on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he did. It's all metal. It's all Terminator. Like it's like faux Terminator, but the boobs are still there, just in case. You know, you were like, yeah. "Man, where'd the boobs go?" You know. <laughs> my fear, my um, wife was gone last night while I was watching this movie, and she texted me. I'm on my way home about nine minutes before that scene, and I was really just watching it the whole time, going, "I know she's gonna walk in right now." I'm going to have to explain the whole context of this movie. And like, I'm going to have to explain why this robot has boobs. And I couldn't really do it. <laughs> and yeah, then it like yeah. electrocutes him, which. Uh, of all the things, God, right? Of all the things yeah. you could, I mean, like. I, oh. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I got about halfway through the movie and I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Why does a 90 minute movie have this many storylines? But once main dude got bit and started turning into a leprechaun himself. I turned around completely. That <laughs> that saved the movie for me completely. And I think that brought that actor to life. Like I it did. He was having I so much fun. Yeah, I totally I, I I called Solemn halfway through this movie and I was going, why did they cast this dude? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he is terrible at everything. 
And then he turned into the leprechaun, and I was like, oh, that's why. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. he's great once he turns into the leprechaun. And by that point, I just was I started laughing at everything that had previously been making me, you know, scratch my head. It all just became very fun to me. And the very yeah. first thing he does, the very first thing he does is try to get potatoes. And I'm like, this kid. <laughs> it's like the very first thing he does when he turns into a leprechaun yes so yeah this uh john gattins uh who is the main guy in this ends up being like a somewhat decently respected screenwriter uh after all of this he doesn't act too much longer after this movie uh flight is his biggest movie that he writes uh, after this Wow. Uh, but he wrote a few others that you've heard of, like uh, Real Steel and uh, let's see, what else? Do I love Real Steel. Here? I think he wrote Kong Skull Island. Um, let's see, what else did he have on here? Uh, oh, the Power Rangers movie, Need for Speed, um, and Coach Carter, Hardball, and Summer Catch. All of those. Oh, wow. Are, he did are, well. Yeah, yeah he, he did well. Yeah, he does pretty well for himself. Do. I like when he found the dude in the pawn shop and he goes, Oh no, I thought I was having a bad day. He found a dead body and that's how he says. And then he gets on the phone and goes, hello, police. Yeah. I found a dead body. What? Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. earlier he calls the hotel manager and he says, yeah. I'd like to report a leprechaun. Yeah, leprechaun. <laughs> he got Yo, robbed. that was right after he, got he just got robbed. <laughs> Hit by a leprechaun and all this, and then he's like, "Yeah, no, a leprechaun is what I'm gonna do." <laughs> Tiny green he stabbed him in the dome. He he's stabbed him right even... here, and then threw him out a window, and then called hotel services about it. Yeah, he doesn't even <laughs> hesitate. Like most people, when they talk about leprechauns, most people that I know that talk about leprechauns, they have to hesitate a bit. And yeah. so you're probably not going to believe this, but this guy is like, you guys know the concept of leprechauns. You've seen leprechauns before. There's one here running around the hotel right now. And there's, I'm you know, well, listen, yeah, my man exactly. had a whole leprechaun mixtape in his drawer. And that's how they learned all about the <laughs> leprechaun power. That's right. He just pulls oh out a CD ROM and it has everything. Yeah. Everything he like needs to know. You know what, though? It was a pawn shop, so that's why I allowed it. I was like, okay, (laughs) there would be the place to have some leprechaun intel. Yeah, you're probably, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. He knew right Um, where it was. (laughs) That guy in the beginning, do you know Solemn? Is that guy in the beginning who brings the leprechaun statue to the pawn shop? Is he from the previous movie? No, there's there's no continuity involved. The statue appears out of nowhere. That dude appears out of nowhere. Leprechaun, Mm, like, blows up in Leprechaun 2. They don't know how to bring them back. So this is the first time the statue is introduced. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Now, some of the weaknesses was the same, but, man, they, they mixed up all the rules in this one. They, it was all about Las Vegas for this one. If you yeah. watch the first okay. 90 yeah. seconds of this and then just pause it, it's the most weird interaction where the dude comes in with a statue and, he, and the guy goes, I will give you five dollars for this? And he goes, <laughs> oh, 20. And then he goes, oh, mm, 10. And he goes, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he did that. Yeah. He did it for twenty balls. He did ten. All right. It's, it's basically he's just trying to get this dude out of his shop. Like, how yeah. much? It's it's not so much how much do I want to pay for the statue. How much will get you out of here is basically what it comes down to. Now that I now that I know that dude wasn't in previous movies, why not just start with the guy who has it in his pawn shop? Like, yeah. why mm-hmm. do we just see him yeah. buying it for five dollars? <laughs> 
they want to be able to go back at some point and make Leprechaun 2.5 is what that's why they did it so they can tell the story in between and how that man came to be in possession of I am statue. so upset that that dude's not from previous Leprechaun movies <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> I yeah. really thought he was well, what about the, uh, my shop owner man first thing this dude get his ear bit off alright mm-hmm. then yep. he gets his toe also bit off he gets his toe bit off and he's like ah oh. <laughs> like, I probably should have got a, a, a better reaction, but keep rolling, you know. He, yeah. he <laughs> keep rolling. And then, and then he's like, he doesn't go to the hospital. He bandages it up. He bandages tell up. He's like, okay, I'm about to go get this leprechaun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he says is, he's like, I'm going to get him. I'm like, that is not a young man. <laughs> yeah. And like, so he goes to get him, and then he gets shot in the arm with an arrow, and then just like <laughs> pulls that joint out. Like, yep. oh, man. <laughs> And the so there's a lot of really uh, like there's some decently fun characters, even though there's a lot of stereotype type stuff going on in this, especially that shop owner. Uh, but uh, Tammy, played by Lee Armstrong, Lee, Lee Armstrong, uh, she apparently uh, stopped acting after this mm-hmm. movie. And Wait, I don't know if it means this movie caused her to stop acting or if it was just like i'm done and i was already i was already on the cliff and now leprechaun threes happened and now well, there just, was I, even was that scene girl? where the casino yeah. owner's like you'll never go to work again in this town <laughs> and she didn't oh, oh. yeah <laughs> oh yeah that's so sad so the, the only way i can I, so i was trying to fill my wife in on this last night and i told her i was like yeah there was a dude who like kind of almost accidentally sexually assaulted this person mm. and she goes what does accidentally sexually assaulted mean and i go that's a that's a the right question <laughs> <laughs> but trust me i can explain it like yeah. he was a bad dude because he fired her but other than that he was a victim and also <laughs> he was quick, a victim <laughs> he was a victim because he didn't know that he could make wishes when that happened Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. right. He, he like found her. Also, and this is this is real nitpicky, but like I see why the writers did this, and I'm not saying that I would have liked it differently, but there's no reason that she should have stopped wanting him. None of the wishes ceased becoming true when the coin got taken. Yeah, like, that's the, the only one, money, isn't it? The money, the dude girl wished for beauty, she kept the beauty. The dude wished to be the greatest music magician ever, which had no payoff. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> no. use it at all. No, none. And then the dude, he wished that she wanted him, and then all of a sudden she like snapped out of it. Which, yeah, yeah, that that wasn't really. I was sitting there thinking the same thing. Like it seemed like, it seemed like one of them may have gone away, and maybe maybe the main well the main guy's luck went away when he got the the coin taken from him. I'm not sure, but luck did go. Well, I don't know. But it does it does seem like. (laughs) Like they kind of like didn't have an answer for that because oh, the no, character of Loretta, his, he, didn't, he didn't wish for luck. He wished to be back in the casino on a winning streak. Oh, yeah, that's right. So that's that right. was the fulfilled. So uh, he got it done. Yeah. Yeah. But though the Loretta, a character who wanted to be beautiful, um, I kept thinking, well, once his coin was taken away from her, she was just going like everything was going to revert back to. But they they sort of like 
gloss that over because leprechaun shows up magically of course to her uh, i don't know how he knows where the coin is at any one time because a lot of times he's just sitting a lot of the movie is him asking where the coin is but then <laughs> then he starts he shows up it. magically he, wherever the coin is so i don't know he's also always showing up at the wrong place saying that he knows where the coin is right he's like just going, before like just it before that? it got taken up you know, well, well listen, he's sniffing the corn. He's like picking up the scent like a dog, you know. So he's yeah. coming just a second too late. But that's that's why he goes to my guy's room and bites him in terms of a leprechaun. The coin was just there. Fazio took it. Yeah. That's why yes. he, he went to the guy who got electrocution bang. But if he had just walked to the room instead of teleporting, he would have passed Fazio. Well, Probably, he, yeah. do that. he leprechaun <laughs> first off. You gotta understand, Leprechaun do it for the kicks, okay? That's why the chick actually came out of the TV. That's why he was doing commercials. He was gambling for a little bit when he first came in the casino. Yeah. He was yeah, like, yo, mm-hmm. he was taking money from. He put doodoo in my man's hand, you know. Talk about some weird stuff, man. The green yeah. poop that comes out of his shillelagh. Yeah. <laughs> Now, when I was younger, I didn't know what it was. I thought it was like, I don't know, some uh, some food or something. So Leprechaun, please give it to the guy. Yeah, right? Yeah. I also love how the hotel doesn't have any lockable doors. Everybody's just walking mm-hmm. into everybody else's room whenever they want. And in mm-hmm. that, in the casino owner's room, there are three exits because yeah. when, when, he, when the main character takes Tammy up there to confront him, they come in the main exit. And then they scurry off to the right, and the casino honcho, like, heavy guy, comes in a completely separate entrance, and then we see the main characters are out on some kind of fire escape. So that room has three main entrances. That is a very dangerous hotel. This guy was Mm -hmm. obviously into some heavy stuff because he owed the mafia some money on his his janky casino. So he had to have money. And if I owned that casino, I wouldn't have it any other way. I got to get (laughs) in and out. (laughs) Well, and those gangsters are hilarious, too, because they just walk in on that, uh, that, you know, after the the aftermath of that electrocution from the robot prostitute, and they're just like, yeah. what the hell is this? Or you know, <laughs> yo, that was like, what's going on? Leprechaun all in the bed and stuff. He got hit with something. Like, yo, what is going on here? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, what did oh. my man say? Yo, his last words before he died, his like, his how was it working with with Judy Carlin? Judy Carlin. <laughs> Yeah, Judy, yeah Judy Garland. Yes, they always like the like every time they they had a chance to throw some sort of joke, they went to that lowest common denominator thing. Those limericks are fun. I mean, they're yeah. not they're mm-hmm. not brilliant or anything, but they're they're fun uh, overall. I did catch like, myself about halfway through starting to try and predict how the limericks would end. Like, oh, he says something, something never. Oh, he's going to end with sever, I bet. And, mm. and I was usually right because <laughs> yeah. they, they're pretty basic. But I did enjoy the limericks, especially, again, once main character guy starts doing his own limericks about mm. the plate of potatoes. <laughs> yeah. Yo, the, the potatoes yeah. one, I did not. I mean, I don't think you got penis all gratin. I don't know. <laughs> no, that one, that one was not. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of, we kind of, I think. I think Warwick Davis is uh, sort of an unsung hit hero in these movies. Um, uh, I mean, you d- do we, do we, how much credit do we, I mean, he's, I think he's great for the, what these movies are. Like, we don't know. We, we're, we're so, 
I, I guess you know what Warwick Davis, what, who, who, he, who he is, because you've seen him in Willow and you've seen him in a lot of different things, but he's covered in all this makeup. And I was talking the other day, somebody thought this was like an animatronic leprechaun. I was like, no, no, Warwick Davis is the guy underneath all the makeup and everything doing all this. I mean, think about that kind of thing for him he's been in star wars he's been in willow he's been in all these movies and now he's got this is his own franchise like yeah i think he's really excellent in these things uh, i think so he's clearly having far, a blast yeah there will yeah, be no he, leprechaun there'll be no leprechaun yeah. without warwick davis and i always tell myself he wrote his own raps in all of these movies <laughs> yeah yeah like and 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 to be able to do this for he did it for at least six maybe seven movies it's uh uh yeah somebody's telling me it's warwick davis not warwick davis but um uh but anyway the uh it's uh, it's amazing like uh it's just amazing his performance we don't really consider a performance like this in a movie like this we don't really consider it that much but he's doing great yeah, he, he had is. to have a great time. I think he did good. I like I like Fazio. I think he did good. Mm-hmm. And I like the henchman. That's basically it. <laughs> yeah. Everybody yeah. else just did with the main could. guy once he goes, once he gets turned. I saw somebody asking about uh why um I think I saw somebody ask about why uh he got turned into a leprechaun, but the pawn shop owner who got bit didn't. But the difference is he made the leprechaun bleed green blood into that open wound and that's mm-hmm. why he turned into a leprechaun and nobody else mm-hmm. did who got bit yep, yep. so caught you not paying attention right there <laughs> well there you go and we wanted it you know <clears throat> him coming through the first two movies with all his powers i always thought yo what if he ever went up with another leprechaun and they mm-hmm. gave it to us you know for they a did. little bit Mm-hmm. And this dude ain't knew what he had, but I, I like how they did that. I feel like well, the movie I mean, wanted to be more about that than it was. That CD-ROM at the beginning of it promised us there would be leprechauns fighting at the end. Like, as it said, whenever they're in the same area, they don't like each other and everything. And I was like, you better give us leprechauns fighting by the end of this. Yeah. And just sure enough, they did, man. They sure enough did. What, uh, um, what was the, is that pendant from another movie? Now, the pendant comes back. But okay. before this, I don't think the pendant was a thing. Because they you were know? really, they were really like promising us a pendant thing. Am I wrong? Like there was a lot of pendant interactions, and then at the end they were like, "No, no, no, no. set the gold on fire." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, what about this movie? Like, I, why does setting gold on fire impute that the gold is destroyed? Like people, I, if you set gold on fire, it melts because it, yeah, it loses its power, it's not in the leprechaun form anymore. Uh, he dies, mm-hmm. it's a wreck, you okay. know. Yeah. <laughs> we got to trust the expert here. I'm gonna, I'm right. gonna go with what Solemn has to say here. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. leprechauns were made to protect the king's gold, the king had a specific gold, all right, and his insignia was imprinted on each piece. Yeah, <clears> they explained what the CD Ron said. That's not what the CD-ROM oh, said. The CD-ROM, CD-ROM, said, the CD-ROM said that they were elves and they got too mischievous and cared about gold too much. <laughs> and, then, and they ended up, which, by the way, misunderstands a lot of things about elves, about, about greed. I'm not super comfortable with that concept. And, and, and never come back. Are, and- are taller and more slender. 
You know, Listen. they're not they're not as small, but you know, I'm yeah, just even going- Tammy's like, if we find that gold, we're gonna destroy it. And he's like, Maybe not, babe. Maybe we shouldn't. And yeah. like mm-hmm. he, he's already sucked in by the gold before he even finds it. <clears throat> I wanted him to stay a leprechaun and use his leprechaun powers. I wanted him to actually get short, but I guess Ooh. they couldn't come up with a way to do that. When they, they put that makeup like on that. him and he looked in the mirror, I thought he looked the same. I thought he looked <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he kinda I was does. like, yeah, he, he was already pretty, looking pretty rough out there. Oh, it which reminds me, there's that amazing scene going to the hospital where the doctors are sitting there like trying to figure out what to do. And they're like, like, well, uh, we'll do the, we'll do all the the tests starting with A today, and then we'll do the one starting with B tomorrow, <laughs> and then we'll start with C, and they're like, well, we go golfing on Thursday. Well, this is an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we uh, we like to end our episodes uh, with a double feature. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, Chris and I take turns oh. suggesting movies, and then the I'm other sorry, one real quick. Real yeah. quick, and I do yeah. not want to interrupt the format. But if we have not talked about the end of this movie, I don't feel comfortable ending without discussing how this movie goes to the credits. Okay, okay. let's do that. Let's do that. This is the start of a beautiful friendship. They went yeah. with that as the line <laughs> where they're like, "Wow, that's <laughs> yeah." Nice. We're, okay. we're gonna do that Casablanca line and we're gonna yep. get the hell out of here. <laughs> I mean, like, she, she says, she says I, I have everything I need. No, you don't. You don't. No, she yeah. just got fired. You, like this, exactly. you could argue that the whole premise of this movie is that you don't have everything you need. You don't have a car. You don't have, like, you don't have this guy is like a pseudo leprechaun you just met. <laughs> you just met. Him, you, know, man. you don't have a job. You don't. Also, are, and this may be my own ignorance here, but are magicians' assistants normally like trying to become magicians? <laughs> I don't think so. But, think but maybe, maybe you're an, if you're an aspiring magician that has constantly be been told business. no by sleazy club owners who are like, no, you're not going to be a magician on my watch because you have to sleep with me first, like yeah. this dude was clearly. Uh, maybe make- you get it whatever job you can at first i don't think they do though normally no this, this woman was sexually assaulted has no car had to just abandon her car by the way mm-hmm. just, yep. just left, it. <laughs> yeah, left it's it. still on the side of the road yep. still on the side of the road and then she has no job she went to the thing she was stuck in this half block casino of hell got attacked by leprechauns and then the last thing she says is i have everything i need what because you found this dude who was a leprechaun <laughs> 10 seconds ago? i don't you, i don't you can talk. hey, hey th- that dude's quite a catch uh she does movie, have everything you could call this movie this lady does not have everything she needs <laughs> <laughs> that's like the one through line for every plot (laughs) we never knew what happened to her she never showed up ever again in the leprechaun movie no or in any movie movie, yeah she apparently did have everything she needed Uh, i'm glad hard cuts to credits i'm glad we let laurent say his piece about (laughs) absolutely Um, so the double features are usually uh, movies that for some reason we th- see parallels. And uh, I think Chris and I have both prepared one for today. If you guys mm-hmm. think of one or have one, you can do that. Chris, why don't you start? Shh. Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? I, 
dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. It's pretty tough. Um, I ended up, this is, I don't know if this is, this is somewhat congruent, but not all the way. Uh, but I thought of Showgirls as the um, uh, double feature to this movie. Um, the Vegas setting, the uh, the odd uh, the odd behavior of all the inhabitants of Vegas throughout the, uh, you know, you have Elizabeth Berkeley who wants to become a huge star, but has to go through a lot of things that she doesn't want to go through to try to get to become that star. Uh, the length of this movie, of Showgirls, and the overall tone of Showgirls, I don't think fits very well with it with this movie. But there are still some parallels. I think enough parallels that it would be fun to have that. There is that scene where she comes out of the TV to have sex with the casino owner, and then that turns does into happen. A robot. Yes, that's a real <laughs> weird thing that happens in Showgirls. Yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, I originally thought of Gremlins just because. It felt like these movies could be in the same universe, but I thought that was a little too easy. So I, I took a hard left turn and I went looking for a main a character who is not a good person, who is futilely chasing down somebody who has stolen something of theirs. And that person is not a good person. <laughs> and I went with true romance. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, because nobody's really very good in that movie. And, you mm -hmm. know, the mob guys are just chasing down this money that Clarence steals early on. And mm -hmm. uh, there's some nudity and violence and blood. <laughs> and this was very difficult for me to come up with a double feature that wasn't just Limpracon 4. Um, mm -hmm. Which, that's when he goes to space, right? He goes to space yeah, on the next one. that anyway. <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, yep. So there's your, there's your couple of double feature options. Um, and uh chris do we have homework for next week before we say goodbye well to before guys? before we go to that uh, laron solemn do you do you guys have any idea what would be a great double feature with this movie or are you kind of going this i i don't want to put you on the spot i think you um i think you hung up on uh gremlins too quick man but not the oh, first one see dig gremlins too they put it in new york man they pretty much do the same deals goofy mm -hmm. as hell this is an excellent one yes mm, yep. Look for that, man. I had a similar feeling when I saw the second Gremlins is when I saw Leprechaun 3. Maybe I saw Ooh. them around the same time. I, can't, I don't know how close they are together. <laughs> no, that's but a yeah, good they're call. both kind of critter movies. If Leprechaun is a critter, yeah. they both try yeah. to do it big. I love <sighs> this choice. My God, I feel bad that I didn't even come up with it on my myself. But like, that's an excellent double feature with this movie. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Larange, do you have one? Uh... I would go. Uh, I'll go with the first Toy Story. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> they're just movies kids watch when they're six. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Good, good ah. There's a common, there's a common bond here. Yeah. Hey, they both came out in 1995 as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I, I when I first started, when I popped this Leprechaun Three in, and the very first shot came up, I was like, oh, 1995. This, yeah. is, this came out in 1995, guaranteed. Um, looks, it so just looks like Showgirls it. came out in 95 as well. So wow, there you go. Um, but, uh, can, I you, can I ask you a general movie question that I've been a little theory I've had recently? Just just sure, seems sure. like the right space, you know. My theory is that the most 80s movies came out in the early 90s. Hmm. That's my theory. Hmm. That's okay. the theory I'm going with, and I'm looking forward okay. to 
y'all giving me a quick little feedback on that because every time um, I see from 1990, I'm always thinking this is the most 80s thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. I think that we tend yeah. to associate the the last part of that era of whatever with the previous one. So like, yeah, no, I agree. Especially if you look at music, uh, yeah. specifically pop top 40 type music. Yes. I think the 80s actually extends to about 1992. Um, mm, I've actually had yeah. this conversation with a friend of disco, mine before. Disco <laughs> happened a lot. It was, it was, a, there was a lot that moved into the early eighties that people associate I think, with. I think this happens with a lot of different things. Music is the same way. Although the, there's a stark contrast with the eighties and nineties cause grunge started becoming a huge thing in the early nineties, but like the pop music from the eighties to the nineties is kind of in that same, like. It's this almost you have to you have to guess a lot of times. Is that 88, 89, 90, 91? It's kind yeah. of in that you guys may have a have an ear that's so tuned in though that you may not even realize. But I feel like that's the way a lot of that we don't know what our decade is yet until it gets way farther into the decade. So um I think that's I think that's a valid thing. A lot of these movies that, I, that was, <laughs> are, that was so. my little musing for because I've been watching some early nineties movies lately and every time I was like, Man, this seems like this is like the most eighties mm-hmm. thing in my life. Um okay, so uh next week's homework for all of you on the next uh Recotopia is going to be the descent. Um, this, uh, this, yeah, this horror movie that came out in, uh, but it says 2005 on the IMDb, but I believe it came out in 2006 or 2007 in the States. Um, the movie that was so scary that I remember walking down the hall of the movie theater I was working at and some woman came out of the theater who just could not, could not take it anymore. That's how scary she thought that movie was, but, uh, that's going to be next week's homework. For those of you uh, interested, you can watch that for free on Tubi. I think that'll have ads. Uh, mm-hmm. It's on Amazon Prime with a subscription. It's on Paramount Plus with a p- subscription. And it's on Sling TV and Roku with a premium subscription. And apparently uh, there's different endings, like the U.S. ending sucks, and the and there's another ending on something. So if you can find the better ending, go 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 find that. I haven't seen this movie since it came out, so I'll need to see if I can find that ending somewhere. Anyway... Thank you so much, LaRange, Solemn Brigham, coming yes. on here, talking about Marlowe 3. It comes out on October 28th. And having listened to it many times, you guys got to go out and get this album. It's really good stuff. And uh, and uh, I wish you guys continued success with this. You guys have obviously found a groove with these albums. So Yeah, come uh, back uh, for Marlowe 4. We'll do it all again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye. We'll see everybody. No peace. <laughs> Be a part of the live show by being a member of the Sin Club at Patreon at patreon.com slash cinemasins. Chat with us on the Cinemasins Discord at discord.gg slash cinemasins or Cinemasins Twitter at cinemasins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinemasins.com. That's R-E-C-O-T-O-P-I-A at cinemasins.com. Say goodbye 
your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.